Hello, and welcome back to the Explicit Measures podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Well, that's a way of saying it. Yeah. And on a high note. We do it. Start on a high note. <laughs> yeah, I gotta. Sure. I gotta yep. build, sometimes I gotta build up to the excitement, Mike. I guess. Yeah. Well, are you on your first cup of coffee during this call, or is there any pre? pre oh yeah, there's a first. This is first Hang cup on. for me. This is my first sip. Whoa, whoa! I wonder. I wonder so the excitement I, is just exuding from this podcast. So oh I, my goodness, guys! It is so good to be here. If I told you this is my fourth cup of espresso. I would not doubt now. it. Okay. Okay. Is it really your fourth <laughs> cup? Yes, it is. Okay. Do you do you count them as each espresso shot is a different cup, or is just is four yeah. shots of espresso, or is it a double shot? Well, like a double shot. Like it's the same thing. You're really tripping me up here. No, it, uh, it's just, when I say a shot of espresso, I'm not saying a whole cup of coffee. I by that point, I'd be doing right. this upside down. How much? How much are you, you have running a, through the? Espressos have single shots or double shots, double or shot. do you have like a Nespresso? Four single shots. It's four single shots. Okay, four single shots. Still a lot of coffee. So, do you have like a Nespresso? I do, and that's probably why I can. I'm drinking. That's bad. More. It's yes. it's dangerous because it's like it is right pop there. it in, run the machine, <laughs> pop it in, run the machine. Literally so, so right guys, in front of me. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's my understanding that like a cup of lighter roast coffee yep. has much more caffeine than espresso. Ooh, I'd have to ask chat to know if they know that. I don't know the answer to that one off the top of my head. I'm, I'm I think I just found that certain. out too. Maybe that's why I like all the light blonde roast coffees because there's more coffee in there. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm doing more four zip. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Makes sense. Interesting. Oh, yeah. I've had like four cups of espresso. And it's like, well. If there's anything that sounds more counterintuitive, when they're supposed to call it bold roast, you're like, yeah, that's oh, what yeah. I want than bold. It's like, oh, that's actually kind of more close to caffeine free. Well, apparently Google thinks it's um it's a thing because I I typed it in halfway into Google and it's like, does uh blonde roast does lighter roast have more caffeine and it literally filled out my sentence for me. So apparently people are googling this already as well. I'll, I'll see if I can do a quick research thing here. While we're we're diving into this yeah. immensely important topic for all of our coffee drinkers out there, uh, Tommy, you want to give us a, a little bit of a run up on our topic? Actually, before I do that, I, I forgot to mention any announcements that we should discuss. I do have one um, that I should at this point on it. I don't know if you guys had any other topics you wanted to kind of touch on. Well, just the only most important one. I was about to say about. the only elephant in the air. Okay, Wait, go ahead. In the room, you guys. This Take it away, Seth. Earlier this week, the Power BI dot tips team. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, no, the exciting announcement uh, we've been posting about a little bit is the new addition of the gallery to the theme generator. That's been a major improvement. Oh my god! It's it's a major major. So it's the fun part is it's just starting. Uh, so essentially, what we've done is kind of take all of the previous things that we've been developing over the years, layout scrims theme generator obviously yep. and with pbip packages and all that we can combine all this together so what the gallery is are the combination of all these artifacts um, that are open to the community to download and use so it's super cool and exciting because uh it's kind of it's very easy for business users to uh make all of their reporting look great uh which is uh, we, we have a video out there, so check it out. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, our subscription allows you to actually customize and build on top of or change all of these project files, which is, I think, the real, where the real cat's pajamas is. Um, but save them up in your subscription, alter the theme, change the visuals, add more whatever you want. But the, the basis of all of that work to generate background themes and, like, good looking reports is pr pretty much done for you. So like you have such a huge head start from just using our tool and building from scratch. Um, and it also opens up the door to uh, the community and contributors. So on the blog post, and maybe we should post that uh, in the uh, the chat here, Mike, oh, good idea. Um, there's an opportunity for if you want to contribute because you are also a theme generator. Oh, that's, that's actually kind of funny. Um, 
<laughs> a producer of themes and yes. your theme to be in the gallery for uh, the larger community to download and use. Yeah. Uh, fill out a form on that blog post and and we'll take a look at you your your stuff and get you access. And let me just tell you, as an Avon theme creator and someone who uses this tool weekly, not because sponsored by Power BI Tips or not because we do a podcast. <laughs> Tommy, you must. But, we but, force Tommy to. I, if he doesn't, we can't be friends unless he uses our tool. But not be farther from the truth. But <laughs> and who just likes to use the best tooling out there? I who finally saw that this week. I mean, this is a huge because I've always loved seeing what other people have done and trying to get there obviously usually starting from scratch yeah but now to have that gallery i know there's already too much to ask but will you also put other people's themes there if they can publish them and yeah. then just choose from yeah yeah, yeah. So that, that's the so, whole point of the contributor program so the yeah. blog post has a form for people to you know show us some of the works that they've done yep. right yeah. and get contributor access well, and just um, the color palette. start publishing stuff out there i think i think the hardest thing people have is not just uh, like obviously the backgrounds are incredible and be a great start for people, but yes. just having not just a quick color palette, but having the whole style there too. Yes. Quickly go into oh, man, guys, I kudos. And, Stole. and to be perfectly clear, everything on the gallery is free. You don't need a subscription. You don't need to show up. You can literally go to the page, drop on the page, pick something that you like by color. And there's even a great little, little preview button. So if you click on one of these, if you click on the icons, you, cool. you click on it, it'll open up a preview and show you, here's a sample, like not sample of report, but sample of the pages, where the visuals go, here's all the background images you get. So it's basically off the shelf, ready to go, um, pre-built reports for you, and then all you have to do is show up, yeah. download it, and then you can start connecting your data to uh, you know, a live connected data set. And I think, I mean, if we think about the design process, someone should be focusing on this side of things, the design, the images, the background, the layouts, and someone else on your team should be focusing on the modeling side of things and what visuals make sense to, to put on your report pages. Mm -hmm. These two work streams can now live side by side. So if you have a larger team, you can focus a, a style or, and the design UI UX side of the world, and then you can have another part of your team. So this just takes away care, takes care of all that. So it gives you yeah, at least a good place designer. to start. Yeah. yeah, but it's it, and I, I think, Mike, you and I talk about this a little bit in the, in the video itself, but there's this real like, I think, unique correlation for this is for business users, too. Right. Like yeah. there's a large gap between business intelligence, people who are already developing reports for wider sharing. Yes. But the 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 story here is, you know, if we think about PowerPoint, right, it's not if you're a business person, you're presenting slides to, you know, your manager or somebody else you're not just throwing text on the slide. You're mm -hmm. trying to make it look good. And you do that in every slide. You, you're making changes and making it pretty. And like, this is the same concept there. Yes. Right. And that's what you get in our free version of this is like, you just get these slides that look really good yep. and you can tweak them and you can change them in the Power BI files where that gets really cool is once you understand that, hey, yeah, every time I present something, if I'm presenting a Power BI report and I'm building all my own stuff, wouldn't it be great to have the master slide file part of PowerPoint? Mm -hmm. And that's where having the additional subscription where you can download, tweak, modify, make that original work your own and tailor it to all your needs really comes in strong. So it we're already doing this you know, presentation yeah. type thing. I think this just opens the doors to a much wider audience and we're really excited about it. You, you know who would have loved this the most? Chuck. Chuck Sterling would have died. <laughs> we should, yeah, uh, right? I actually, I, I, did a, I, I did a full Academy day with him and I, I still use a lot of that training. I have to redo our demo on the wireframing now and use this. And I know you guys are not going to say this, but I need to say this because I've seen people online. You know what the subscription cost me? Rather than four cups of Nespresso, I have three in the morning for one day a month. That's it. So mm -hmm. you guys don't have to say anything, but man, alive, best non cup of espresso I've ever had. There so. you go, and and it, it accelerates your excitement in the morning when you get in. And you can just start building reports. Amazing. Well, there, you can just bring already the there's designer. some cool. There's already some cool stuff coming out in the gallery. One of them yeah. I'll point out here is Seth and I've had this idea of being able to pay, create backgrounds that have a transparency to them. So you change the background page color. And then you add shading on top of it that changes the color. There's a really good looking visual out there right now called translucent. And there is no color on it. It is literally gradient shades of color across the page. 
And if you change the page color, you can change the report page color to match anything that you want. Yeah. It's it's literally 100% flexible and you can just start from a, a, a quick working spot and just build a ton of, it's amazing. So I'm very excited where we're coming with this. Many more things to come. Uh, the designs are getting better. We're doing more things with it. So, so stay tuned. There's a lot more stuff to come from the gallery. We hope this helps you build awesome looking reports on top of your data. That's really the point there. Awesome. Uh, the link is in the chat window and I'll also add it to the description as well. So it'll be in the description of this video additionally. Uh, I know we're going to get to our topic today, but I do have one more thing I'm very excited about. And this is uh, another area I'd like to push into. Um, if you follow, there's a there's a uh, a specific LinkedIn, I guess, company, I guess it would be, but it's it's basically from micro, my, Microsoft and it's from Miguel Myers. It's called PBI Core Visuals. And I don't know if you saw this update. I believe it literally came out either this morning or something. I saw it come across my LinkedIn feed and I'll copy the link here. And you have to be a LinkedIn uh, I guess signed into LinkedIn to get, at least see it. So I'll drop the LinkedIn uh, link here. And then this is a preview, a video of the new um, slicer visual that's coming. There are images. There are different ways to format a card. There are more buttons. You have to watch this video. This is going to fundamentally change the game when it comes to slicers and slicing inside your reports. This is going to be amazing. You're going to need some time to really sit down and digest all the things that this slicer can do because Miguel Myers, who's a wizard with amazing things designing in Power BI. I mean, he was doing this stuff like really early on before Power BI had all these new fancy features. Miguel yeah. was designing things that I didn't understand how it worked. I just literally flabbergasted. And so what he's done is Miguel's now hired by Microsoft. He's now on a team and he's leading a team of, of, of revamping and building new visuals called PBI core visuals. He's kind of branded it, of course, with his branding and everything. He's, he's always got branding things on top of everything. So it's awesome. Um, I've been helping out with that team of people to kind of test and develop and design and, and think about what needs to be included in these visuals because there's a lot of things you can build, but Miguel's doing a really good job of picking some of the best, most challenging features. And he's giving you a demo of this new slice that's coming out, it's going to be amazing. So anyways, I just wanted to point that out there. You have to go check out the LinkedIn post. You've got to go watch the little snippet or video. It's a, it's a short little video of things that you can do with it. But wow, it's going to really change and enhance our reporting capabilities. I was throwing away slicers because I just didn't like the experience. Yeah. Now that we have this slicer with all these extra features, I'm thinking mm, I probably need to revisit a slicer now. And, and I need to think about number. It, yes, it's coming up soon for his. Well, his post says coming in November. Hmm? So it's coming it's soon. Crazy. So it's, it's not out yet. So stay tuned. It's coming. But yeah. he's, he's giving you some really big teasers here. They're kind of, I guess, in the final stages of testing since it's coming out in November release. Anyways, very excited about that. Super excited to hear that the visuals are getting some some much needed love here as they're getting some updates. There's a lot of missing features comparatively to from Power BI to other tools. Uh, that are out there right now. So anyways, I just want to point that out as well. I think it's a really good link uh, and really appreciate the the hard work that he's putting into that. 100%. I'm, I'm like nothing in all, almost not in all of Power BI, but one of the best things that Microsoft has done is hire him a mm -hmm. long time ago Yes, and put him in charge of this because uh, everything we've seen thus far, but like I'm so like looking at this, I'm like, yep, now I now I remember all of all of his influence on making making things look fantastic, and mm -hmm. we're we're gonna get to play with it, it's, and it's gonna be part of the tool by default. That's amazing, super cool. Anyways, I thought that was really good to put point that out there as well. There's some very exciting things coming in the next couple releases. It seems like uh, a lot of the energy has been moved over towards fabric. It's been a lot of you know if it feels. If you have you ever watched um little kids play soccer right mm -hmm. you watch little kids play soccer <laughs> yeah soccer. the ball moves and then there's like a little swarm of bees that like and they buzz yeah. over to the ball and they all swarm the ball and the different so as the ball moves, you can literally tell where the ball is without even seeing the ball because there's a little horde of children that are all running around the ball no one's playing positions everyone's just trying to get to the ball and just randomly kicking it sometimes it felt like i mean it has felt like recently microsoft has not been playing positions 
And we've been like, oh, fabric, let's all run over there. And so everyone runs towards fabric and then, oh, Power BI, let's run back to the other side. Like, so I'm, I'm feeling like we're seeing some really substantial improvements on Power BI visuals, getting some substantial love back to the core part of Power BI because I think we really need it. I think we need some more uh, enhancements there. So it's been encouraging to kind of see the, the team spreading out a bit, a little bit more. It feels a bit more even uh, as we develop things. Along those lines, have a uh, last opener here before I get going. I'm getting all excited about stuff in Fabric now. I was doing some testing the other day. Have, have either of you had a chance to test shortcuts inside Fabric? It's not part of the workflow, so I, I'm okay. sure you guys, it sounds like a really good example right now. Well, I don't have a good example. I was just experiencing, okay, one, the documentation on Microsoft's website sucks. I don't know where to go to get the links. It doesn't make me, it's not very clear. I had to try for like 30 minutes to figure out what's the right combination. So let me say it this way. There will be a video incoming of how you can connect an external Delta table into your Fabric environment. So what I have done is I have lots of projects that I work on where I do a lot of data engineering in Databricks. It's all in Spark. Mm -hmm. It makes Delta tables. So I have a ton of tables just living around. Uh, some of those tables are tables that I'm using for Power BI monitoring. I have a whole bunch of APIs coming in. I'm grooming the data down. I was like, I wonder how, how hard it would be to make a shortcut to those tables. Well, once you get the right URLs and get it all synced up, it's amazing because I'm doing all of this data engineering work outside of Power BI and I just provide the folder you path to my Delta table. Boom, it lights up. Cool. It's automatically in the warehouse. Wonderful. I can write SQL against it. Sweet. And then it's in a default data set already, ready to go. So I had from connecting to the blob, the, the, the Delta table externally. Sweet. To like within less than 30 seconds, I'm in a report trying to rip out columns and say, what's this column doing? What's that column doing? I was flabbergasted i was like okay this is what i want to see i want to see other tools that can do data engineering things and lift that stuff and bring it directly to my data sets that's what i want i want my data set to directly um dude i was floored also, i was well put it up yeah. okay this felt like this felt like next level stuff that i had just stumbled into i was like oh my gosh this opens up a huge world for me where I don't need to engineer everything inside a Microsoft inside a Microsoft tool, I can do it however I want as long as it gets the Delta format. I was I was very impressed. Well, and but this is what's really cool with that that whole path. And I haven't I like I'm glad you vetted it and tested it because I, I need it's to awesome. It. There's one other piece in here I need I need to talk to you on the side mm -hmm. about, um, which will be interesting once they actually light up fabric in Central and North Central, where yep. I have all of my fun stuff. Yes. Um but the um, the point I was going to make is it you don't have to rebuild all of your engineering. Like if you're already oh, in doing yeah. Databricks and building tables and all that kind of stuff, like it's fantastic that you'd be able to leverage yes. that in other areas for different things without data movement, right? It's another, mm -hmm. without another step to copy data somewhere. And that yes. is one of the really unique things of, of them in, introducing that feature in Fabric, which... I, I love glad um, glad you're vetting it for me and dude, <laughs> making it easier for me down I, the road when I get into it. Any company who's using Databricks to do some sort of data engineering things, whatever they're doing, any company, they will find immediate value from showing up and and you know using their existing engine. You could have been doing this for five years, six years, yeah. and the fact that I can just now hook into the table, no no import, it, the table just appears. Sweet. I mean, a few of our previous episodes a little obsolete, but we talked about the migration too. Um, they actually just announced too. You can now push Dataverse as a shortcut to Fabric. Okay, another yeah. one. I was like, so. oh my gosh, another another really good. Like it's literally a, a one button click kind of thing. Well, and then I have to read their article a bit more. I haven't done it myself, but I have a customer who's using Dynamics, and I'm like, dude, you're gonna need to check this out. Like, just just do your data work inside Dynamics. Just keep it there. Just make what you need to do. Tables, views, whatever you want. Do it in Dynamics and just. Boom. Now it's a table inside Power BI. That's huge. So there's a lot of really interesting things that they're doing. And I feel like they're, it's the, the vision for what they're producing now, I think, is the right vision. And it's giving me a lot more options to be able to design what I need to with the tools I want to work with. Which, anyways. Didn't they, didn't they also just release uh, column and role level security? 
Yeah, Column and Rillo Security, which just announced as well too. I mean, there's this is what I'm saying. Like, I feel like you know the, the ball has been running around the court here, or the, the field, and everyone's huddling around the ball. And like, finally, I feel like we're starting to spread out a little bit, and like some you know features are coming across across the platform now, as opposed to everything kind of just being fabric centric. Yeah. Anyways, super excited about those things. Uh, I think that's all I have for introductions of things. Let's get into our main topic today. Uh, we're going to talk about the Power BI linguistics schema and who's using it, what's the impact of it, how's it going to go from there. So, Tommy, give us some more details around this topic and, and where do you want to see this go? Yeah, so I've, this came up because in the September update to Power BI, they actually release a really, really great new feature to the QA tooling. And the QA tooling is something, if you haven't seen it before, in Power BI Desktop actually allows you to look at the model uh, and have related words. So if you want to say, well, uh, we have councils, but we really want to call them products or we, our sales team calls it something else, units, whatever it may be. We can associate those words together. So if you wanted to say, for example, like, hey, what's our, you know, what's my best uh, customer? Well, customer may not be in that model. So mm -hmm. we can kind of form that. So that it's been great. It's a it's a really nice set of tooling. You can actually even see what other people in the service have asked questions. Say, oh, everyone's asking this way, but there were there were still some limitations where you had no association because if you want to say like, well, who's my best customer? Well, or you know, like we can't really associate certain words in terms of binding together. So that's actually what they just came out with now, where we can actually define the adjectives and the verbs. Uh, where we can want to say like, hey, what's the uh, who sold the our what's our best books, or who sold them? Now we can say, well, we have stores or we have these managers. That's they sell books, and that idea has never been there. Where you always have to define each field in your question. So now we can actually say, if who sold the most books? You know, stores sell books, and you mm -hmm. can teach Power BI that. So binding fields together to say this one is, you know, this one preposits the other is really neat. And there's actually a now new tab in the QA tooling that I'll actually choose where the adjectives fit in, what mm -hmm. fields are binded, which one's in a sense apparent to the other. And um, this is, I think, one of the very needed things. We've talked about this before, but I think this opens up the question again or opens up the door on, okay, is this enough for us? What does this actually mean for us? Are we going to start building right away with this? Or what are still some of the limitations? Because we're getting closer and closer to associating our models with really that literacy. But that doesn't mean the organization is. Yeah, this is going to be interesting to kind of go into this topic a bit more. So, you know, just, just for reference here, Q&A or the Q&A portion actually refers to questions and answers. So Q&A is, is the feature and I believe, um, I think they've actually removed, honestly, if you have the new visual editing experience turned on, I think, wasn't it previously you could double click the canvas and the Q&A would yeah. just pop up? I don't know if that's still on by default or not, um, but I believe you can turn that off now. And so in your settings for the reports, you can just have that not double click, turn on the visuals there so you can't get Q. So... In some respects, I feel like the language or the, the linguistic schema, they've kind of, I, I don't know, moved away from it. I don't, let me say it this way. I don't have a lot of customers coming to me saying, hey, can you help me improve the linguistic schema of my data model so I can get people to ask questions of it better? We're struggling with other things that are like way more simple than tweaking the linguistic schema of a model. Well, what are, you, I, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I, I always remember this one because when, man, this is, this is like a four or five year old feature. Yes. Originally. Yes. Right. So it's been in the tool. You, we, we built think, a tool I for think it. We have a, yeah. Lingo, right. We have a lingo, we, which is a tool that we, there was, there was no code editor. No code. Right? Editor. You had to use VS code. So yeah, well, like you got really excited about this, Mike, and I built a tool around it. Um, so if you if folks want to go like look on the site, yep. There, there's a, a code editor. Um, yep. The, the the thing I remember about this announcement, the demo was super cool, right? Like it was almost four or five years ago what the experience for presented in such a way in that like you would have with AI where you're like, I'm going to like ask this question and I get this answer. And the reports were amazing. And it, it was like the most meteoric rise and crash I've ever seen. Because the, is it super valuable? 
Absolutely. The amount of work required means proper model, like great proper modeling, everything in there, you're spending an inordinate amount of time building on all of the business speak and phrases and relationships and all of the linguistics on top of your model so that when you're using that interface for business users, they don't ask questions that result in nothing or that don't mean anything to the business. And that was so that's where it fell down, right? If you're not building the linguistic schema behind the model or on top of it, then there's there's the model and, and that interaction between the end user is not a great one. So Correct. it's interesting to me that this is part of the September update and that they built tooling in here. But it makes sense if I read the last sentence or the, the last part of their their you know um, post where they say, in the other direction, defining synonyms and relationships can be a lengthy process, just asking to be streamlined with the power of AI-generated suggestions. Keep an eye out in the future for the ways we're bridging the two to bring out the best of both worlds. Now that's compelling. That's, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do it, honestly. No, I, nobody does, which is no. why I don't think I don't think any one of us between between our combined like years of experience have ever run into a client that was like built a solution around this. Have you? Mm -mm, never. So I think two things there. One. I don't think they know it exists or, you know, they've maybe seen the QA, but how much of people are researching this? This is not one of the major features. So yeah, no one's saying, oh, this is one of our big core initiatives. Uh, the other side of the coin, those two, that data literacy side where a lot of people are, we know organizations are struggling just to get the names right in their organization that, <laughs> right. And so much less Someone just says sales, you get four yeah. definitions of sales at leads this point is one you can't touch. And if yeah, you talk leads. About, yeah. Yeah. Customer. Oh, tell, me what's, tell me what's a customer. I right. don't know. Like you're, oh, you're yeah, trying it's... to make sure you get the metric right, the calculations. Like, no, yeah. no, no. We count it based on this and the other side of the coin. So I think we're always running into those problems. I I want to play devil's advocate real quick though, because I think about this and all right, the devil. Let's hear it. Yeah, yeah. So appreciate that. But uh um, <laughs> um if you were to have a proper model with all of this built out. And again, this is one of those imagine all the people, but like in that kind of world where you had a proper model with this fully built out. Okay. Theoretically, what type of value in time and in efficiency and in insights could this actually save, even if it was just a team that had this fully built out? Well, let me, let me, I'm going to take your question. I'm going to maybe extrapolate what you're kind of looking for here on this one, right? So there is immense amount of value. So let me let me give you just some general trends I see going on, right? In a general trend, typically whenever you wanted to write a program or do something, you had to write it in code. You had to write, you know, a specific language that the computers could understand. With the advent of ChatGPT and now large language models, I no longer need to write code as if it was like JavaScript or C Sharp or whatever the language is for the computers. I can now literally type a phrase or a sentence and I can prompt it. You know, imagine I am a, and then you kind of give it a scenario. And then the large language model is able to interpret that, pick out keywords that it thinks are relevant to your question, and then either scrape the web or go find information or go pull out data and come back to you with an answer that says, okay, based on what you said, here's some websites I found, here's some details, here's, here's a written language back to you about what's going on. So I think, Tommy, to your point, right? Let's talk about what do we, what do business users want to see about their models? I think we have questions. I think we can articulate the questions as a phrase, right? I think we can, um, and where I see the gap growing here is I can say, what were my sales for this year compared to last year for my most popular products? Or what are my most popular products this month? What were my most popular products the last three months? Right. Uh, you know, there's general questions I can ask of the data. Now, it'll be up to Power BI and particular teams. And I think you're going to see a lot of movement in the space around this area where teams will try to take that, run it through a large language model. And somehow, and I don't know how this is going to work, but somehow the, the model definition 
should be interpreted by that large language model and respond to me with an appropriate answer. Excuse me, I was Pause. sneezing. I had to mute myself there. So I think the holy grail of this thing, I think what people really want is I want to be able to talk to something and have it present to me pre-built visuals and things that come out of a report that I can see your most popular product was this. Uh, here's a bar chart that explains that. Here's the reason why this was the most popular. The reason why this was the most popular is because, you know, these three regions had above average sales by 10%, right? That's what people are doing in reporting today. They already do this. So to have some more of these mundane, so, you know, I see AI producing for us, right? A lot of the humdrum common things, right? Um, you know, why can't I just tell Power BI, hey, Power BI, I built this visual, remove titles, clean it up, make it work on a dark background, and it should just know how to restylize the theme properties of that visual and then make it for me. Or I should be able to ask questions specifically to the data around things and get it to give me answers. Whenever I've used this feature previously, it's always been a little bit lackluster to me. It, it, ha it hasn't wowed me in the same way that ChatGPT does. So. I think we're looking for, I think that, I think the expectation around AI and AI based things with the, with the introduction of chat GPT and all these other large language models now appearing, I think the expectation has gotten a lot higher for what AI could do to make your job easier. And so I think Microsoft is going to have a very high bar to jump over now with these new large language models in place. Do you though? Because like, so what what piques my interest is obviously manually putting together a linguistic schema to work in a model to work Not with, within QA. Yeah. Is, if you want to go down that road, I'm sure it would be useful for the business to some degree. The amount of effort, I don't know if it's worth it. Yeah. When you can present the data in different ways. Now, when you're talking about the interaction between ChatGPT GPT or large language models, right? Yep. They're so far... I would say my experience is they they help me with the mundane work insanely well. Um, some of the coding things, yeah. But if we're talking about like all of the sudden having something that just magically somebody can ask any question specific to data, have you guys seen anything that's like stress tested that? Right, like, there's, yeah, there's and this is this is what's piquing my interest here. Is why would I? Why would Microsoft go and invest more time into tooling that they haven't done for four to five years, unless all of a sudden that's really important, right? Where the Ooh. where is something like the linguistic schema as it's set up, where it's like this is like this, this is the relationship here, this is what's going on, blah blah blah. Not maybe like to tie into the models for sure, but at the same time, like. I, I don't know how far that extends, right? Like, are there prompts? Are there helpers? Much in the same way that when you're doing machine learning, right? You, you ha you're you putting in prompts to um, d divide data in different ways, right? Or like create your hierarchy of decisions or, you know, evaluations along the way. Mm -hmm. You're, um, and you're, you're more into this than I am, Mike. There's words for this that I'm just butchering and hacking through. But ultimately, yep. um, you know, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of input to receive the expected output or the evaluation that you want. And I don't like I I don't think large language models are there from the standpoint that like you see stuff out in the market where it's just uh, oh yeah well everything's just going to be you know a uh, business user and they can they can ask for whatever they want and they're going to get it and it's going to be accurate. And no, well, no, there's a lot of nuance in business. Right. And how do you take that nuance, that business logic, everything that's up in people's brains and put it in a place that can even be digested by a large language model? And that's where well, I think that, this, yeah. is, this gets interesting yeah, go ahead. because I haven't yeah. seen any of that advanced more diving into the data side of things that automatically replaces business intelligence professionals. No, no. And I don't think anything's there, but I think, Mike, you said something that makes me... Uh, it made me chuckle, be like, where the QA questions that we're always thinking are, who sold the most products this year? Or, you know, like, what are my top five products? And I always think to myself, that's a Google question. 
And that's that's something you type in Google, and yes. no one. That's not totally. your report already doesn't have that. You know, yes. where that's not what I think people want to ask or where they would want to invest their time is show me my last product from five years, even though I have 10 reports that do that already. You know, they say, give me a breakdown of my sales. And just like the same type of questions you asked in chat GPT, mm-hmm. I, I think going with the large language model thing, if your company has a glossary, glossary you can though you it's incredible what you can do with it. Right. you can just feed those in i want right? to i want to i want to point on this, this glossary thing going though yeah. yeah okay so remember we had an episode like i don't know two three weeks ago and we talked about wouldn't it be nice if chat gpt hit a lot of the low-hanging fruit right we just have people interacting with data models and data that comes out of our source systems and you know we just automatically know there's a whole bunch of things that linked together right the, the common language of the business is just overlaid into multiple things so I'm in the tool and I'm looking at it right now. I was playing around with adding some synonyms. So you have a, a table, here's a table, here's a columns, and it basically rolls through the synonyms on that table. So here would be synonyms for what you would see potentially in this table. There is this feature now that comes with this, and maybe this is what they're releasing, and I didn't quite get it when I read the blog post about this. And maybe this has been there for a while, I don't know. But there's now a new option. If you add a synonym to your data model, it says, do you want to share this synonym with your organization? You added a suggestion in the synonym. So that way, for example, if someone else, for let's say, for example, I could say the word country. The column is country, right? You could add a synonym to country that meant location. Cool. It works for my one data model. But that needs to be into a global glossary for my entire organization. And I think that's what this feature is alluding to. This feature is saying, share your synonyms with everyone in your organization. Now, that is something I can get behind, right? Because this is what we were talking about before. AI should be, should be producing a lot of these low-weight value ads across the entire organization. So when we say the word customer, there might be other ways the business speaks about that phrase or that column or location or region. Like, there needs to be likely other synonyms with that. And as I invest my time on this, I need my time invested into making those synonyms available to my whole organization everyone can now contribute appropriate synonyms to this organization that that is powerful and and now we're actually to your point tommy and then you said data glossary right that is what i want to see i want to see people build reports make synonyms do things there and from that i can now start seeing a graph information data about where are my company synonyms what are people trying to relate together language-wise and does someone need to review that holistically, not in just one data model, across all data models? That, I think, would be really cool. And maybe that's where they're going with this one. But this feature looks really promising from a sharing and communication around that. Thoughts? I mean, you said, like, it would go to all data models. And that's an interesting leap because, like, some of the, some isn't some of this data set specific, depending on what team you're talking about? And, like, there's always going to be totally. some conflicts. But wouldn't there be, like, a column, you know, if you had a country column, right, there's going to be some things that are going to have common terms with them, no matter what you're going to do with them. So, you know, country, brand... Yeah, your product. Well, and to, it's not to say it's not to say that actually. Well, in all actuality, your your point is correct because it's a synonym. So just because it was created yeah. in one data set doesn't mean it's not applicable to another. Yeah. Right. Where. Yeah. Somebody may be asking about location. Yes. Or, so yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I get it. I have another another here. So another example, right? I'm looking at another table that has products in it. The column is called product. Well, the thing shows up and says, "Here, do you want to add some? Do you want to add some approved synonyms? Okay, cool. They have another one, item." artifact merchandise pro- product produce right so they're actually giving you some there's an ai suggested thing and do you want to cl- include this column in ai and tommy this is the other thing that we had problems with before i never had the ability to toggle on or off hey i don't want the index column right. in ai just, just don't do it like yeah uh the uh surprise yes. the larger the, the larger the id in the index column the higher the whatever whatever like okay like that doesn't help me at all. That isn't adding any value to when I start asking questions. So we really do need to, there's a lot of things in the model that are not adding value to the analysis that we're trying to do. Well, that, that's yeah. really something you want to exclude. No. And when I said a glossary too, I, I'm surprised the way you took that. I was, 
think about this too. And with the large language models where you can actually feed in documentation or you can feed in, in a sense, your own definition, this mm -hmm. may, if it gets to that point, which I think this kind of would hopefully from a technology point of view, be a catalyst to bridge the gap from a literacy for an organization where if you're feeding in your definitions that your organizations actually spend time to do, and that kind of becomes the superseding of when we say customers, we're always, you know, speaking about either this table in SQL and here's the business definition. Mm -hmm. And that can feed into everything else. Well, you can understand what tables you're using, but it's also forcing people to speak the right way too. Because you're right, it's not just living in a single data set. Yeah. Now the question is why is Microsoft doing this? Why are they spending so much time on this? Well, I would be really interested to read the fine print when you're updating here now, because what's the one product right now that doesn't have Copilot at Microsoft? Uh, Power BI. Power BI, which is very interesting, uh, but it makes a lot of sense because- but Maybe and, it's just harder to implement. Maybe, you well, know- maybe It's you a can. lot easier to say, build me an app. And then, you know, it's like, wow, build me a dropdown. And compared to actually working with your data model, like this is in Power Automate. This is in Power Apps in yeah. a lot of places. And- what does AI need in order to work, especially when it's the data model? It needs to understand how not just us, but they, they're going to need to know how other people, in a sense, associate the words together. Hey, stores always sell books. Books don't always sell stores ever. And we've yep. seen that with all these inputs. Yes. Um, I think that's part of it, too. But no, I this is one of those points where like it, in order for any of this to work, an organization has to be solid on their own definitions in the relationships. And this, again, I'll, I'll just say this, the AI experience, like when from one who used to edit the linguistics model previously, impossible, no way you could do it. This new way of showing here's recommended synonyms that the tool is providing to you. Like I have, you know, again, I'm looking through some other columns here for another practical examples, right? Some of cost of goods, right? That's, that's my column, my measure that I built, right? It gives me other options, total cost of goods, summarization of cost of goods, um, aggregate of cost of goods, right? It, it's giving you recommended phrases that it thinks of this stuff. And I would hope, right? Please Microsoft, like if, if I'm doing this in my company, there's, there's definitely a way of you using this data at the back end level and saying, Hey, look there, you know how many cost of goods columns there are across all of Microsoft's data models across every customer that they've ever made. There's tons of these things. There's tons of sum of sales. Right. So Microsoft should be grooming like what is everyone talking about and being able to say, well, per, per our recommendation engine, we're feeding in oodles of data across everyone's models. And here's other people and how they're relating it. So this whole experience could get just way better just by Microsoft scraping their own data and supplying it back to people like they're going to train their models on their own data like this. Well, it's interesting to see, like, especially if you're getting recommendations for synonyms, whether or not as you share those back throughout the organization, whether or not those are then recommendations that pop up for other people. I, I would think that more yeah. so than auto getting applied. No, no, it's, that. It's, it's, syncing, it's syncing them with my whole organization. So as I add synonyms to these columns, it's syncing that with, I don't know, something in my org. So again, I don't know how it works yet. I don't know, like, do if I publish a separately, totally different model with the same column name you know cost of goods or cost of sales right does that in fact automatically apply that synonym for me maybe i don't know like i, I have to i'll see I have to do a little more testing around this but i finally feel like we're at a place where the the needs of our business are actually being addressed by some good ui good recommendations like to me this is feeling a lot I'm, I'm willing to try the feature now because I could see the potential of it now versus before I tried it. And I was like, nah, I was kind of turned off. It wasn't really great. Do you know, you know where those recommendations really need to come from? What we, what needs Tommy. to happen, I think they all need to come there. from Tommy. Tommy. No. Yeah. Chat exactly. GPT, Your Tommy. Yeah, exactly. I did. Tommy. Some of sales. Total pasta. Yeah. But, <laughs> but honestly, the, like, if you'll say you're using a measure, like, you know, master accounts, like, Hey, we noticed the certified data sets are using master accounts. Is yeah. this the same metric? Yes. And having that the association yes. that's needed because obviously everyone's using like country, but is it customer country, store country? So the recommendations that Microsoft hopefully will apply and what we need to build is it's coming from either a certified data set or what you would call like that rule of master data set of that certain area. 
Mm -hmm. I have, if I'm using a certain words, like, do you mean store countries? Do you mean customer countries based on these data models? And that's where it binds together. That's where this makes a lot more sense in terms of, I think, a much higher adoption rather than me having to create the wheel in every data set. I would agree with that one. I, th and that's, but this, this is where I think our conversation was on our prior episode, right? When we talked about AI yeah. previously was, where are the things that I spend most of my time just chewing and doing things through? Like, that's the kind of stuff that it should just be automatic. And we were talking a lot around, less around the data modeling, talk about more of the, the business rules, the, you know, collecting requirements, how, you know, people, if we get people asking questions to their data sets and it actually adds them some real value, why not collect all the questions people are asking? Like they do have, um, so there is inside this new UI, there is this area where you can review questions. So review your questions. And again, this, I think this feature has been out for a while, but maybe the UI is slightly updated here. But when you look at this, the, the data model, you can actually say, here are questions people were asking and, and in of the model, and you can refine those questions and change them in a way that actually makes sense for the user potentially. So again, this is another feedback. So the, to me, this is a great feedback loop of, if we do add questions or Q&A into a report, I need the feedback from it. What are, the, what are they asking? Did my report, am I literally, this is the feedback loop of, um, uh, did we, do we actually like this report? Like, so, so if people aren't asking questions and the questions are very different from what I think I built the report as, I have a disconnect. My requirements didn't meet the needs of the user as they're asking these questions. So I can use those questions and say, how would I appropriately answer these questions and try and build new pages or new visuals that do support this. So to me, this is a great feedback loop from use the report, ask questions, funnel those questions back into me and refine my report. Where my head goes in all of this is where, where and what do we use this for? Like, I don't think this is a random data set that Tommy and Michael spin up and, and push out to our local team. I think when you get to this level of investment of time, it's the same thing that Tommy, you talked about the whole time. Do I spend a whole bunch of time making a pretty looking report or do I just go to themes.powerbitips and download one from the gallery and just start from there and be like, okay, here we go. This is a, this is an initial preview. Like here we go. Start off. So in my mind, this, this is one of these items where if I'm going to invest a lot of time refining Q and a, putting it on my reports, grooming the questions down, figuring out what people are asking, you know, building synonyms, all these extra bits of time. We're now talking about this is a central data set. This is something that's bigger than just one little thing. And this, this is a certified data set. This, this is, this is the, the central BI team mm. is doing this work or you're planning it out in maybe a sprint or two where you're spending a day, a half a day, just going through and seeing what's in there. But I, yeah, anyways, I'll stop yeah. there. Go I'll ahead, make it Tom. interesting for you guys. I, I, the last 10 minutes, I got a scenario because I kind of put it on my consulting set and thought if someone asked me, hey, Tommy, we want you to like really build up for at least one department right now, yep. logistics schema. We really want to invest in this. Like what would be the project plan? Even if it was just for a subset of the organization, like sure. what does that structure look like? Yeah, we're not doing it. No one's asking, but okay, then how would we, in a sense, build something up so i want to see what your idea is and off the cusp so to speak or both of your guys in terms of that would be your investment for the next two quarters what what does that structure look like building that oh let me let me give you just mm, you're already okay. kind of pretty on point with me on, on a okay. few things okay that's why i was like yeah, yeah so let me let me first give you a lens into my mind of where do i place the investment right Re regardless this is a time commitment to something. I'm going to have to be doing something above and beyond. So my first inclination is one, do I have any data sets in my organization that are of a level of where I would want to certify them? Okay. Is it certified already? If the answer is yes, how many certified data sets do I have? Cool. Let's look across all certified data sets in our organization, which ones are being used the most. So I would invest my time using this feature only in certified data sets that have the highest or second highest amount of usage in the organization. Now, that's just around Q&A. The second part of this is, in my mind, I'm thinking, 
this is not adding value unless you actually have Q&A enabled on the report in, in something that you're actually collecting the data, right? So if you build a report, so if all your reports in your certified data set, even though it's used the most, there's maybe an opportunity for you to redesign some reports, but are you willing to put a Q&A box in those reports and let people actually ask questions of the data set? So, you know, to me, the, the linguistic schema has like a two-part requirements. Is it used enough? Is it enterprise enough? Oh, well, three parts maybe. And am I willing to put a Q&A box on the report? That may not fit this, like, if you're trying to cater a story in a report, you're not just putting Q&A in there and saying, figure it out, right? So there, there's, you know, I'm not sure I'm willing to risk my BI's, um, what, what, what do you call it? Like, um, it's not credits, but it's integrity, in integrity credits, right? It's, it's kind of like you, you credibility. That's the word I'm looking for. I'm not sure if I'm willing to risk the credibility of the BI team to have a Q&A feature show up on something that's, that I think should be used but yet get very mediocre results out of it, right? If someone answered, asks four or five questions of it, and I haven't done the investment of time on me to build good questions to ask about the data, helping you, like this is a learning curve for the user. They, they barely knew how to make personalized bookmarks, and yet we're telling them, ask a question of your data model and get real answers out of it. Like, to me, that's quite a jump. That's fine, but I'm saying, if the business asking, they want to invest in this, they want the Q&A in there. Who's like, asking for it? I have never had I, anyone ask I'm, me for this thing. It's a hypothetical this, scenario. Yes, this is totally hypothetical scenario. I'm not gonna like. I'm calling you after my business wants this because the company and me. I'm saying like, <laughs> but, but it shouldn't what, take too long. No, but I, I'm the, the barrier is so low. My 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 point here is because no one the wants business it. is so far behind where I'm asking random rent not random. I'm asking questions of the data. We're still just trying to work through how do we get logged in. How do we get through personalized bookmarks? How do I how do I share something from this report in a way that is is approved by the corporate team? Our threshold for getting to like Q and A, I think we're so far behind where we need to be that we're still just covering a lot of fundamentals. So yes, this is cool that it's there. I really think, in my opinion, this is probably a Gartner feature. So when, when does Gartner come out, Seth? You know, what year, is that in February? Is that March? When does that thing roll out? So you gotta have the AI. Yeah. You gotta have AI in the thing. You gotta be able to prove you know how to do it. It's like that's to me. That's like a Gartner feature. You gotta have it because every other tool is doing some sort of form of this at some level. Seth, do you have a different answer? If, let's say I'm just like my answer. He's gonna go to Seth now. I'm not. I'm. I want to see. A, yeah. re, re, rephrase. Rephrase your <laughs> question. Let me rephrase again. it. You get an investment. They want to do a pilot on this at for one department at your organization. They want to invest heavily on getting this working so people can begin to ask questions. It's only a subset of the company. It's not the yeah. whole company. What's your, in a sense, where do you start? What does that project plan look like? Um, well, I'm not going to give you a project plan, but I, I, I agree. I agree with the, the main tenants that Mike said. Um, the only one I would add on there would probably be choosing an area with the least amount of ambiguity in business. Mm. Mm. Right. So whether that's just really straightforward areas like sales, right? There's opportunities, there's, you know, and as I say that, I'm like, well, wait a minute, there's, there's a lot to it. Like you'd have to think yeah. through like the, the business logic or how yep. much you'd have to develop. Um, and I'd choose an area that has the least amount of variability or friction or, you know, like reduce the amount of relationships and synonyms and all this stuff that I would have to build on top of, and this is where I think you get the least amount of um, push into this because it requires fantastic data sets, right? Very well-modeled star schema, relation relational models that like tie out the way you would want them to all the time. And to Mike's point, like use the most would be fantastic as well, right? But I don't know if I necessarily agree, Mike, with bringing the user along with all these additional features that we have out here right now, because this technically would be the easiest feature ever for them to interact with. Mm -hmm. It's just, we're not confident in the results or, yeah. or well, confident that they would get the okay. output. I'll, that give, I'll give you a good example. I'll give you an example. I'm literally testing it out right now. I'm trying to like, you know, add some suggested questions. And I thought, oh, okay, I'll just do my simple, like I have a column called sum of sales measure and I have uh, a country, right? I'll do 
But what's the total sales by country? And I added my I added my synonym. Total sales is is one of my synonyms. It and then it just produced me a great visual, but it just counted the number of records of sales. It just said count of sales. Like that's not, that's not what I wanted. Like, but it's it's that kind of stuff. Like yeah. you look at the bar chart, you're going, okay, it's a bar chart. It's literally like a straight line. Like every bar is the exact same height. That tells me zero about what I want to know. So like it's you need to diversify. That's I, I don't know like but, why but this, but this that's, was, a, that's the stuff though yeah. it's like it's to me it's like those things it's like if i say something i want i'm going to interpret my lens of the world how i see things i'm going to ask questions that make sense to me and if that visual doesn't like immediately pop out the right answer it better do a good job of saying hey we heard you ask this here's three different ways we could represent this data right. here's a count of sales here's a sum of sales here's an average of sales like here's this three is why options. code this is why code to generate graphs work because it it forces the user to be very specific about the things that they want yes what is, what is i i'm i'm not trying to be derogatory but business intelligence people or people who understand data have nothing to worry about like it, the vast majority, name me one solution. Like, and you hear this from product people all the time too. What we really need is a solution that just lets everybody build their own visuals. Yes. No, you don't because nobody no. uses it. The no. lay person in the business does not know, under, understand how like X, Y coordinates. They don't understand how to group by different things. They don't know some calculate, like they don't know how to put this stuff together to get the, get to the part of the, which is just analysis which is what we provide there's so much work that goes underneath the covers to put together a data set and the visualizations which we talk about all the time presented in such a way that they can start to do the work that they need to do they don't need to concern themselves with all of the other stuff but at the same time like they're not going to be able like it's going to be a road to bring everybody up on board I think to start asking large language models all of the specifics that they would need to know to generate the outputs that we we can generate for them in report. Does that does that mean like I don't think that there's going to be an amazing efficiency curve for our job? No, I think absolutely there is. It's going to be faster and better for us to produce more for for the business. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of value in there. But I don't, I don't agree, nor do I think that we're anywhere close to just opening up data sets to a business and ha getting accurate results that come out of like Q and A. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, and I agree. And, and to me, it's all these like little things. It's like little tiny things that make a difference, right? For example, like if I said something, what is my total sales of my segments, right? If you change that and say, what are my total sales across segments? We still understand what that means, but the model can't determine across and from that. Literally, a one-word change produces the wrong kind of visual. And What's it, interesting it, is, as you're saying that, though, is yeah. like you're like that's where I think LLM would be great in Agreed. interpreting interpreting yes. what you're tried, exactly trying right. to say, or mm -hmm. what you and maybe that's where it's like, hey, we'll give you five different options to select from, which one looks the well, the best. And yeah, and that's, that's what I would want. I want to produce well, to me more options, you know? Yeah. Give, I mean, give me, give me, yeah, I'm going to type yeah. this phrase. I'm going to say the word across versus from or of or whatever. And it should say, oh, here's three different ways you could have said the same thing. You can click on each of those phrases. And there's this Google has trained me, right? As much as Google is an AI based search thing, right? When you started using Google, you didn't know how to Google for stuff. You were just typing random junk and hoping you got what you wanted. Now that you've been using Google for so many years, Google has learned you how to type a phrase into Google the right way learned to get the answers you, you want. Yeah. Taught, yes. Taught, you don't ask taught, questions taught, in Google. It's taught you, taught, learned you. Most I don't know. important <laughs> word at the beginning. Educated you. Yeah. yeah. But but well, it's, you have learned from Google how to use its tool yeah. effectively to get the answers you want. And what we're doing, what we're what I think we're seeing is these large language models are yet another thing that we're learning. We're going to learn how to program the computer to get the answers out that we want. And I think all of this is good. AI, I think is gonna be really interesting. I think everyone's extremely excited about large language models. I mean, you're seeing AI pop up in every tool. Every, if, you do, if the tool doesn't have AI in it, it's not legit. 
And if you are a, a, a brand new developer and you're looking to do AIs with images, uh, holler at me because uh, Tips Plus is looking at doing AI on images. So like, <laughs> give me a holler. Uh, we're looking for uh, students in school who may be looking for a, a senior design project. So uh, give, me a, give me a holler if you know someone who's looking for some stuff. But uh, um, as we think about these things, like it's going to make things better. It's just It just needs some more time to get the right mix of how what what information can we feed it so it does add value to me right now and i think what i'm saying right now is the risk is too high the value is not large enough for me to just kind of like start whipping this stuff out and putting it everywhere at this point it's getting a lot better and from where it started this has been a major improvement major improvement all right with that any final thoughts with as we wrap here all right everyone's just like be quiet michael go to leave it alone so um, with this, I'll say thank you all very much for listening to the episode. We really appreciate your, your listenership. Um, this has been a, a good episode, good topic. Hopefully you found some insights here, either from some of the announcements or things and thoughts around AI and linguistic schemas. With that, we'll go ahead and wrap. Uh, Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? You can find us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, helps us out a ton. If you have a question, idea, or topic that you would want us to talk about in a future episode, head over to Power BI Tips slash podcast, leave your name, and a great question. Join us every Tuesday and Thursday, 7.30 a.m. Central, and join the conversation live on all Power BI Tips social media channels. Awesome. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time.